I'm Jody Nisnik, and you're listening to the So Much More podcast. In John 16, 12, Jesus stated, there is so much more I want to tell you. He then pointed to the spirit as the one who would come, who would further his teaching by bringing his word to life for us. So much more creates space for God to reveal his truth through his word. Today, I am excited to have Jim Fadling with me as we have a conversation around John 15 verses four through nine and what the Lord is teaching her. Jim is a founding partner of Unhurried Living, which is a nonprofit that trains people to overcome hurry and lead formationally. Jim is also a trained spiritual director and a certified life coach with focus on spiritual leadership and soul care. And she is the host of the I Can Do That podcast, which you should check out. And she is also the author of What Does Your Soul Love? Eight Questions That Reveal God's Work in You. Well, welcome, Jim. I'm delighted to have you on the podcast today. Well, thank you, Jody. It's so good to be here. <laughs> well, I that was a pretty high-level generic description. So tell <laughs> us a little bit more about who is Jim. Tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, I mean, those those lists are all fine, and they do list some things that I do. But um, I guess we could start with family. I've been married to my husband, Alan, for 36 years. We have three grown sons. They're all in their 20s. And I live in sunny Southern California. So today, I, I even turned on my air conditioning just for a minute right before this. <laughs> I know it's terrible. It's January, and I'm perspiring. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are happy for you in Texas when we're recording this. It's quite cold. And, uh, but I'm glad that you're enjoying the sunshine. The sun is out today here. So that is nice. good. Well, thanks for sharing some of that with us. Before we dive into this passage, I do want to give us a quick reminder of the passage that we meditated on in the last podcast. And so I want to read it for us. It is, uh, In John 15, it's verses four through nine. Before I read it, I want to remind you that these are Jesus's words to his disciples. And these are actually some of Jesus's final words to his disciples. He's giving them some final exhortation and encouragement um, before he goes to the cross. And so as uh, the words are read, just know that's the context. So this is a reading of John 15 verses four through nine. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. 
This is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Well, Jim, there is a lot in that passage and so many interesting nuggets. And so I'm curious, we did this as a Lectio Divina, asking the Lord to draw our attention to a particular word or phrase. So where did the Lord draw you to? Well, I will give you that answer in just a sec. I have to say something just about this passage. I mean, you were gracious enough to let me make a suggestion. And this is, I, this passage is what I call my home. Hmm in the Bible. It's anytime I need to come back to what would be my home, my heart's home, um, my center place. It's right here. Oh, I love Uh, that. I know. So um, it's, it's just so packed full, but the, the place I landed as I read it through this time was um, the word remain, which is not a surprise because it's in there nine times. I counted, (laughs) I counted. Because, but as I, because you suggested to me too, that maybe I listened to it, which I love to do. I have the scripture on my phone, of course. And so I listened to it. And when it's read to you, you can really notice the word remain, remain, remain. Yeah. And the old fashioned word for that, of course, is the word abide. Yes. It's a beautiful word. Right. Which has to do with home, right? Abide, Mm. uh, make yourself at home. So that's really where my my heart landed first as I made my first pass through there. Yeah. I you're right. That is that seems to be a natural place because it is repeated over and over again. It feels like Jesus wants them to know one thing. <laughs> don't stray, don't wander off. Remain here. Stay right. close. Um abide. I love that word abide. So Um, yes, I'm not surprised the Lord drew your attention there. And I imagine that many of our listeners also went there, although some people probably went in different directions, which is what's amazing about doing something like this and how the spirit leads each of us. Um, so as you then reflected on that word remain, what was your next step? Like, how did that then attach to your life right now? What were some of the things that you and the Lord processed? Yeah, so normally when I come to this passage, the center piece phrase is actually, um, apart from me, you can do nothing. I think that is the, the thesis of this whole section. And, you know, on first glance, that sentence looks like um, it might be, it's kind of speaking in a negative, apart from me, you can do nothing. I just hear it as a completely beautiful and grand invitation. Mm-hmm. It is, it's another way of saying, remain. That's right. <laughs> right. Yes, <laughs> I mean, it is. Like, <laughs> so Jesus is making a very big point here. And someone introduced this passage to me. I remember distinctly, I was 26 years old and a mentor, a man at that time, I'm now older than he was when I met him, but he seems so old to me. Um, he read this whole passage, John 15, and I felt like I had never heard the Bible before in my life. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I mean when I say this really became part of the fabric of how I live. So, but as I made that second pass, the phrase that came up uh, for me was, it must remain in the vine. Mm -hmm. 
And usually I don't like the word must because it sounds too commanding or whatever, like there's only one way. And I get that. Um, But to me, that phrase struck me as more like a heartfelt pleading invitation, you know, as opposed to a command. And it's almost like beautifully logical Mm. or practical, or this is the way things work. Yeah. This is the kingdom reality. Because if you picture a vine and a branch, if the branch is on the ground, it is not alive. It's just the way it works with any tree or flower or bush. And so I love the practicality Mm -hmm. of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think too, like you said, when we know who Jesus is and we know the love that he has, especially for this group of men that he's saying these things to, I mean, he deeply loves these men and it isn't okay, here's a list of 10 things that you're going to do. And if you don't do them, I'm going to smack you on the wrist and da, 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 da. So, yeah. So when we read it, knowing it's coming from a place of love, knowing that it's coming from a place of hundred percent pure love without any ulterior motive, it does help put that verse that you just said in context, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. And I love that you brought that up because I do think Sometimes it's easy. I, I think sometimes we can default to reading some of these words and thinking it is, you know, wagging the finger at us and telling us all the things that we need to do and making us feel bad because we're not doing them. Right. But that's not a, all what he's doing. He's basically saying exactly. Yeah. yeah. Agriculture. You think of it. If the bind, if the branch doesn't remain, it will die. It, Period. Yeah. It's just the way it is. And Jesus so beautifully spoke simply watch, look at the birds. Yeah. You know, look at the flowers. They're beautiful. Look at the mm-hmm. birds. They're not mm-hmm. toiling, but they're eating mm-hmm. and drinking every single day. I mean, I love that beautiful practicality. So so it feels like this was an invitation, probably an echo of many of the same invitations he's given to you through the years. Yeah. Um, so tell me about that kind of next step that you took with the Lord in this passage. Yeah. So as I sort of held on to that phrase, um, of course, it's the word I chose was remain, and the word remain is in that phrase. So, but as I looked at it, the main remain <laughs> in this is um, the very last phrase of verse nine, right? Okay, mm. It says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. So the real ask here is to remain in my love. And I'm not, I mean, he's using the illustration of the vine and the branch, but really what he's talking about is love. Mm-hmm. And um, it's sort of the center piece here. God is love. And um, what I love about this whole passage too, I mean, of course, this is John 13 to 17, right? Famously the upper room and Jesus has just washed their feet. I mean, it's all about relationship and he's aiming at John 17 where he actually prays for us. Yes. I don't pray for I'm not just praying for, I'm praying for anyone who comes and follows me. All of this is for love and invitation. Um, It's an invitation to us to be loved, to enter the love, to remain in the love. And Mm. so it was just a beautiful reminder of something I know, like you said, I know this, (laughs) but um, I was reminded. Mm. Yeah. I, 
I love that. And I'm, and thank you for bringing the context of where they are, what's going on. You know, um, the words that I've chosen as the theme for this podcast come in this discourse in John 16, where he's like, okay, and I've got so many other things I need to tell you, but we're, we don't, I can't tell you everything. Right. And so the spirit's going to come spirit's going to remind you. And that's even what it feels like the spirit is, was doing with you is reminding you of truth that, you know, that you centered your life on, um, and inviting you once more to trust him by, it almost feels like the settling in again with him. Yes. The remaining, the remaining is not work. It's actually, uh, it's, it's a resting posture in, Mm -hmm. in many ways. Um, to let him hold, you know, I think of like the remain is to stay, it's not to go. And, and that takes rest. That takes the posture of rest actually to just stay put somewhere. Well, the thing about that too, is where our organization is called unhurried living and people hear the one word unhurried and they get concerned. Like we're going to make you do less and sit around and be lazy. And it's not about that, right? Because it's not about the calendar. It's about the soul. Mm. we all have a lot of things to do and that's perfectly fine. But what kind of person are you as you do that thing? Right. And so we can bring this remaining with us as we go. That's right. Some people also get confused. Like, well, if I'm doing all this, you know, solitude that you're talking about, how am I going to ever get anything done? Well, fine. So we have these practices, these beautiful practices that keep us, you know, in God's presence, but ideally something's happening inside of us so that we now become we're becoming right we're taking that goodness of god from within us with us mm-hmm. and so it's this it's it's one thing right yeah. isn't it kind of, do you know what i'm talking about it's it's one thing our resting in god and our working for god is just one oh, beautiful right. whole, yeah there's whole. no there's no i like to say there's no sacred secular divide right like right. everything we do with god is with god like yes. everything, I'm sorry, everything we do is with God. Yes. As, as believers, as spirit indwelled Christ followers. Yes. I think yeah. that's a critical thing to remember. Don't you? Yes. Oh, I do. I I'd love to actually, since we kind of transitioned in it, I'd love to ask you a little bit more about unhurried living. Cause I, I think that is a misnomer that we hear is unhurried means to, to be lazy or not do anything. Um, but what are some of the principles that you start with and encouraging people to kind of make a transition? I mean, to me, I think, okay, what's the opposite of unhurried? It's hurried, it's frenetic, it's, you know, just moving around and not actually centered on anything. So what, what, how do you help people kind of make that turn into a different way of living? Yeah. So one of the places I like to have a conversation is around time itself because hurry and unhurry really has something to do with time, doesn't it? And we, a lot of us have a paradigm of time like this. I don't have enough time. I don't have time for that. I mean, right. (laughs) Yep. I'm right. I'm running out of time. Like, do you hear the breathlessness and all of these? And I've said all these things. Yes, me too. So it's really, it's a question you can ask yourself. Is it true? Mm. that I, that there isn't enough time for me to be who God has made me to be and do 
what God has for me to do? Is it true that there's not enough time for that? Such a good question. That one will stop you for a minute. Yeah, because God is the creator of time and the creator of us. He knows exactly what he's called us to do. And he's not calling us to live at this frenetic pace of life. That's not who he is. Okay. So the second thing that that brings to mind for me is that time truly is probably the most valuable resource we have because it is the only thing we all get the same amount of. And once it's gone, it's gone. We don't get it back. There's no way to, to turn the clock back. And I just keep thinking of to myself that God created that for us. It's a, it's a good and healthy boundary. They're guardrails on our life so that we don't actually start to think that we are capable of more than we're capable of and start to try to become gods for ourselves. I think this is one of the constraints that he gave for us to live in. Right. And it sounds like that's stuff that you're saying as well. Yeah, completely. Yeah. Do we, do we have enough time? The other, and the other thing we were, you were talking before about rest, you were talking about rest and work. And one of our main teachings is this, if you look in the scriptures and if you just look at the way um, in Israel, back then and even for the day begins at sunset not sunrise ah so good so even just that tweak in your mind of what that means though is we think of you know you get up in the morning and your day starts and you run 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 and then in the evening you just collapse right so that's like one way to live or (laughs) or what if my day began in the evening and that's when i'm ideally now whatever, sleeping, replenishing, I'm eating dinner. I'm relaxing with my family. I'm going to bed. Mm. I'm resting. And then I, and God is at work. There's a beautiful quote. um, But basically um, it talks about how we're sleeping, but God is not. Mm. And the beauty of that, that we're resting, but God is not. And then we wake up into this beautiful world that God is created and ordained, and we join him in his work. Now, see, isn't that a different um, paradigm than work hard and then collapse and then work hard and then collapse, right? Oh, it's so good. And and I understand that I'm talking to real people with real lives. And most people are going, what do you mean? You just have dinner with your family and relax in the evening. I mean, people are still doing stuff at night too. Yeah, I get that. But I'm saying, I'm giving you a little bit of an ideal evening, right? Could you not begin with rest and move into work and have that be the cycle. Yeah. Oh, I love, I love that. And you're right. I think we are real people and we fight against this all the time. This is, I think part of our sin nature, part of the world, the Western world that we live in, the always on culture. And, um, you know, we respect email responses at eight o'clock at night when, you know, from our employees and we, you know, so I just think this, it's so counter to the way the world is set up for us to live. And that makes it hard to, to have this abiding, restful, spacious relationship with the Lord and with ourselves. Um, so how do you encourage, how do you, yeah. like, what's a, what's a tip for us or an encouragement for us when we feel that kind of frenetic pace creeping back in? Yeah. So I think maybe returning to where I started with this is you can just ask yourself a question, mm. you know, is there enough time? 
is it true? Or you could say it another way. Is it true that I don't have enough time? Is Mm -hmm. that true? Mm -hmm. Right. And then really let yourself lean into the answer. And you there's, I I always think uh, the best answers are actually questions. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Because then you get to linger, you get to linger with them. You know, you can ask yourself questions like, is the pace I'm living right now healthy? Is it serving me, my family, and others? Mm. Do I have perceived time to make space for the things that matter most to me? So you can ask yourself any one of these questions and really start um, listening for the answer inside of yourself. And then really the rubber meets the road, right? If you're finding yourself saying, no, I don't actually believe I have enough time and I'm running Reagan and I'm answering email at, at eight o'clock at night. So now we're getting into conversations about boundaries yep. and prioritizing. I mean, the conversation is ongoing, but if you find yourself in a place where you feel like you're stuck, just take two minutes, take some deep breaths, just ask yourself a couple questions and then turn them into prayers. Mm. Lord, I'm open to a new way, but I don't see it. Mm-hmm. Will you show me? That's so good. I think God is faithful to help you when you ask, ask yes. something like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, even this passage alludes to it. If you remain yeah. in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. I mean, yes. this is not a genie in a bottle prayer that he's talking about. It's yeah. actually the prayer that you just said is, I want to remain in you. And my life doesn't feel like it's set up for that posture. So what do I do? Would you make it known to me? That's a prayer that the Lord would delight to answer. And of course, then we have to create space to hear him and be obedient to follow the direction and the leading that he's giving us. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, oh, thank you for saying that. That's just a beautiful way to, um, recenter ourselves and take that pause for a few minutes. And I love your questions. In fact, your book, um, is centered around questions. And, um, so I'll remind you guys of the title. It's what does your soul love? Eight questions that reveal God's work in you. And, um, as I was reading this, one of the things that struck me is you have a section in there about asking the why and diving deep into our lives by, I think you say, ask, ask it three times. Why? Okay. I'm feeling stressed out and anxious. Why? You know, and, and digging deep down and getting to actually what's the heart of the real matter. Um, Perhaps the heart of the real matter is I actually want to answer the emails to my boss at 8 PM because what he or she thinks of me actually matters more than what my family is thinking or feeling oh, right now, goodness. or, you know, and so, whoa, when you get to something like that, it's like, oh gosh. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But talk a little bit about that process. Yeah. So, and um, so you can ask why some people don't like why questions are like, well, you can't ask why. If you need to word it differently to make it work for yourself, you can say something like, what causes this Mm. or what leads me to think this, you know, and you can keep, well, what leads me to think this? Well, then what leads me to think 
that. And like you said, if you start with your first why, you usually get a fairly benign answer mm-hmm. off the cuff. But if you take that answer and ask another question about that one, you what you're doing now is you're digging a deeper hole, which in, in this case is a good thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Going down some stair steps down into our heart. And then just like you said, you can find out that this benign answer actually reveals my, my core belief in my own identity or my value or my worth or about how I relate to others. And pretty much if you can ask three of those, it'll get you down fairly close to the core. Mm -hmm. So this is the thing though, a lot of us are unconsciously afraid to go there. So one of the things you have to decide beforehand is that you want to take the risk to know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'd like to know what's really going on inside of me. And of course, this is spoken like a true spiritual director and a coach, because we love to go down into the core because that's where the really good stuff happens. Yeah. Um, But if you are listening and you find yourself not quite ready for that, it's okay to be exactly where you are. It's okay to only ask the question that works for you right now. And then you can ask the next one when you're ready my invitation is be open, right? Continue to be open and continue to ask as you make your way, but you don't have to force anything. Yeah, that's so good. And that's not the only, I I mean, that's a, that's a series of questions embedded within one of the chapters. And you've got these eight questions that I mean, truly, it it's interesting now that you chose this passage because I can see that your heart, this this home passage for you of abiding, of, of remaining, it's all about your book. What does your soul love? Because if your soul loves Jesus above everything else, yeah, then you will abide and remain. Yeah. Um, and so, I just tell me a little bit more about like where did the book come from? How did you decide to write it? How did you narrow down it to eight questions? I know. <laughs> yeah, it's actually so. This is interesting. So, the the a tiny little nut and bolt part about it, about it is that my husband had written two books for InterVarsity: the Unhurried, an Unhurried Life, and Unhurried Leader. They had asked him if he would want what his next book was going to be, and he didn't have an idea. But by that point, we had started Unhurried Living and we had an idea together. So we proposed, I sort of came in on Alan's good graces and which was very generous of universe. And so we wrote, we co-wrote this. So we both wrote half the book. We both wrote in every single chapter. Right. But the outline of the book itself um, actually is proof of what I'm saying. So I ask God questions all the time. So when I was in my 40s, at one point, I was, I just asked God this question. How did I get here? And what I meant was, I was up on a little bit of a vista, sort of emotionally and spiritually, and I liked who I was and what I was about at that point. And I'm a curious person. And so I asked God, how did this happen? Mm. And then I listened for like, a year, maybe more. And I would just journal as things would come to my mind in answer to that question. And so these are that the answers. Oh, I love that. And so um, I'm, I think um, we added the suffering one, because I had seven, two, four, there's eight questions. So we added suffering because I had seven. Mm. 
Yeah. Why wouldn't you want to add a little pain to the conversation? Right. right. Yes. One of the chapters is called, <laughs> is called pain. How are you suffering? And let yeah. me tell you, I'm glad that's in there because I, I feel like that is the collective experience of all of us right now. Oh, oh my goodness. How are we is. moving through all of this? Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's that. how, so that's where the questions came from. They were answers. These were insights that were answers to a question that I asked God. Mm, I love it. Well, I want to encourage you guys to check it out. And, um, the other thing I love about your book is that you have some creative spiritual practices at the end, which I love. I am a big fan of spiritual practices. Obviously this whole podcast is centered around spiritual practice of scripture meditation Um, but there's so many different ways that you can create space for God in your life and, um, do these spiritual practices. So I also want to encourage you, um, to, to check that out. We, we don't have much time, but tell me one of your favorite spiritual practices. Oh goodness. Well, my all time favorite is actually, um, solitude and silence. I can't, I don't, I can't even apologize for having that be my favorite. It's just my favorite. And we call it unhurried time with God just to keep on brand. But for me, what that means is I've got anywhere from two hours to four hours or a whole day, or sometimes I'll do a 24 hour and I pull away and I put myself in what I just call receptive mode. And you remember from Samuel, um, Samuel, Samuel, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. That's the posture of, of that time. And I give that kind of time with God full credit for really forming me in ways that I probably couldn't even describe or explain because there's just a depth that I've experienced in those times that I'm just so grateful for. So again, if you're listening to this and you don't know what it is or you haven't practiced it, you can start with 30 minutes or one hour and just go somewhere beautiful. Take a walk. And instead of listening to a podcast <laughs> or, you know, music, just be quiet and ask God a question and then yeah. just listen. Right. And, and you actually do this in your podcast. You, it's just like a five or six minute podcast and you're yep. giving a tip or a practice and spurring people on. So I'll put all of that in the show notes. Yeah. I think you and I could have like another two hour conversation. I'm pretty I'm sure sad. I'm I sad know. it's over, but Um, thank you, Jim, for joining me. Tell me, um, I'll put everything in the show notes, but where can people find you real quick? Oh yeah. The easiest way is just go to unhurriedliving.com. And then if you like Instagram, I'm on Instagram at Jim Fadling. All right. I will link all of that in there. So thank you so much. It truly has been a delight to talk to you today. And I also want to thank you all for joining Jim and I today on so much more because we do believe that Jesus has so much more to say to us and we are creating space to listen. Want to learn more about God and his will for your life one verse at a time? I'm Quinice Petway, co-host of the Your Daily Bible Verse podcast. I'm inviting you to tune in and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.